relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Going deeper on the big issues that matter to you. This is your exclusive podcast, America First, one-on-one, with me, Sebastian Gorka, former strategist to President Donald J. Trump. There's so many different things people can identify as, like they, thems, or non-binary, like... It all depends on the person and how you feel. But if you want to walk around saying you're a woman with a penis, then good for you. I'm a woman with a penis, guys. <laughs> if that's what you feel, then you're a woman, you know? Yeah. yeah. So would you date me? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. <laughs> no, I don't roll that way. What do you mean? I'm a woman. I just said I'm a woman. I mean... The penis. That's, that's, the, that's the tricky part. I don't, I don't like the penis part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What a transphobe! He doesn't like the penis part? How dare he? What an outrage. I'm, Seba- I'm Sebastian Gork and this is One on One. And that is one of my favorite clips of recent years from a man who just makes it look easy. I know Waters World kind of started it, but I think he's taken over this brand of entertainment. Allegedly, he's a media person celebrity with PragerU. We are delighted to have him with us today. His name is Will Witt. Welcome to One on One, Will. That was probably the best intro on a show that I've ever had. So seriously, thank you for that. I get that a lot. Don't worry, the invoice is in the mail. So we are so (laughs) excited. Uh, Two days ago, this book was published. His first book, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies. Why do you want to win friends? You just want to crush the enemies. These are the kind of things we'll be debating. It's How to Win Friends, Influence Enemies, Taking on Liberal Arguments with Logic and Humor. Get it today. Will, uh, we're going to have a great chat with you. We're going to cover the whole waterfront of the culture wars, who's winning, what it takes to win. But first, for those who've been living under a rock for the last couple of years, who is Will Witt? Where do you hail from? Why did you drop out of college? And what are you doing today? Will Witt comes from Colorado. And I went to school at the University of Colorado Boulder, which we call the People's Republic of Boulder. (laughs) And I went basically my entire life through high school and the beginning of college being a liberal atheist. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of college kids, their parents taught them good values and then they go to school and become a liberal. They shave their head, whatever it might be. I was the opposite. I was a liberal, went to college and became a conservative when I saw just how terrible they were to anyone with a different point of view. And just like Dennis talks about conservative values for the most part, at least the ones that I believe in, are common sense. And I found out that most people don't have common sense. Common sense isn't so common nowadays. And so I started getting very involved with conservative politics and culture stuff. And I got involved with student groups, got involved with the Republican Party in Colorado. And then eventually I found out about PragerU and made a video for them. Taught myself how to edit and shoot the video. This was about four years ago, four and a half years ago. And they ended up loving the video and calling me and saying, hey, Will, like we love what you're doing. Why don't you come work for us? And so after two years, I dropped out of school, moved to Los Angeles with no money, no anything, no plan. But I knew that I had something that I wanted to do, a a vision that I saw America going into and I wanted to help restore it. So I went to work for PragerU. What was that initial video that you made by yourself that got onto Dennis Prager's radar screen? 
Well, I was actually going and asking women what they thought about the wage gap. And looking back now, the video isn't you know nearly as good as some of the videos I do now. It's kind of laughable at, at the skills in that video. But you know, I asked them and said, "Do you believe in the wage gap? Do you think there can be a wage gap when businesses wouldn't they rather just choose to only hire women if they could really pay them less?" And all of the women, of course, thought they were so oppressed and so uh, that the patriarchy was holding them back. And so I edited the video, tell myself I edited and sent it to PragerU, and they loved it. Fabulous. And what is that mission that you see yourself as having that made you start making those videos and now you do it under the umbrella of Dennis and the amazing Prager University? What, what is your personal objective? My personal objective is to, to bring America back from the, the place that is in now, and that is a place that is controlled by bureaucrats, a, a country that is controlled by an oligarchy, people who don't actually care about the founding and values of this country. They want to stomp all over it for their own personal gain or for the gain of their company or so that they can remain in power. And I hate that. I, I, I hate the the state that, that people view our leadership in this country right now. And so my goal has been to educate people and then also get people to wake up to the fact that this is what the left has done in this country, expose the left and then say, here's how we can actually fix it and change it. All right, you got to follow this guy uh, on Twitter at the Willwit because there are many, but he is the Willwit. Also, PragerU.com support that incredible billions, literally billions of video views, along with Turning Point USA and a handful of others. One of the most important institutions pushing back on the insanity, the radicalism, and political correctness. Okay, so let's let let's start uh, at the beginning. You are what generation? I, don't, I can never keep up. Are you a Z? A millen- what are you? What generation? Well, I just turned I just turned twenty five two years ago, and so I'm really like I'm actually right on the cusp of being Generation Z and a millennial. So I don't really fit into either, to okay, be honest. So but a, I call myself a millennial. He's a generational schizophrenic. That's a perfect position yes. to be in. Tell us, let's start with a diagnosis. You can't fix anything unless you've got the diagnosis down of what the problem is. If you've got cancer, it's not good taking vitamin C to you know, get rid of your cancer. So let's start with, with the diagnosis. You're a young guy. You're out there. You're making films. You're in the belly of a beast in California. How bad is it? What is the state of indoctrination or what you mentioned at the beginning, the lack of common sense amongst kids of your age in America? I'm not going to lie to you. It, it is bad. The indoctrination that we are facing that that has happened to young people is very bad. But, you know, one thing that I get asked all the time and like you guys saw that clip at the beginning of the show that showed the one student and talking to them about what is a woman. And people will ask me all the time when they see my videos, they're like, how can you not laugh when these kids are so stupid who you talk to? And I say, listen, these kids aren't stupid. Most of these people are pretty smart. They might even be smarter than you. But when you have the entire university system and the mainstream media and Hollywood and special interest corporations, you have all of these institutions in America raining down leftism on them constantly, of course they're going to be on the left. It makes a ton of sense. So these people can be woken up. I was on the on the far left when I was going through high school and beginning of college. I was an atheist at that same time, but I came around and learned these values and was able to change. You know, so it's easy to just call people stupid and say, you know, they they're so dumb and brainwashed, but there's a reason behind the things that they say. And so the the point of of all of this, I think, is to wake up all those different people on individual conversations so that we stop supporting the institutions that continue to brainwash the next generations of people in America. Or let me, you know, I, I, I preface this with the fact that my first degree was in philosophy and theology. So, you know, beware. Um, but I want to push back a little bit. 
Yeah. Isn't it more than just what they've been told or what Hollywood movies spout at them? Because isn't there a degree of stupidity in an individual who thinks that a person with a penis can be a woman. I mean, at some point you have to ask, hang on a second, just because somebody says to me a hundred times a day, you can be a woman with male genitalia, there has to be a conscious decision of, of, of being imbecilic, does there not? You know, it's it's hard to say. I, I I'm very I'm a very big fan of the wor- the book Brave New World. I'm not sure if you read it. Or the audience has read it, and you will find in that book that when people get so comfortable with soma and the acts that they're doing in the book and the, the information drug, the drug, that they're the being told. So the, for those who are not familiar, there's two massively famous visions of the future dystopically. One of them is, of course, the 1984 George Orwell, where it's you know the the, the future is a, a a boot stomping on the face of humanity. So Big Brother and, and, and totalitarianism. Aldous Huxley's uh, Brave New World is, is a world of um, comfort, yes, where, where, yes. where, where the, 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 the hedonistic mores of humanity are, 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 are played to by the bureaucrats. So everybody kind of um, slumbers in a hedonistic, um, non-thinking reality. I just wanted to preface that. So do you think that's the one we're closer to, Will? Yeah, I think we're way closer to a brave new world type of reality than a 1984, because look at what happened during this pandemic. Look how look how safe people wanted their lives to be. They say we don't want any sort of uncomfortability or no safety. We want to be as safe as possible where we can have our food delivered to our door. We can watch Netflix all day and we never have to go interact or do anything passionate or crazy or fiery. You know, people should be, in my opinion, living a little bit more dangerously than we are now. And instead, they want safety. And so when you when you're talking about the stupidity, it's like I, I think it comes to a point where you can be so brainwashed and be so comfortable in your thoughts that you kind of edge out anything else and say, I don't even want to think about that because you are in such a safe place. Yeah, I I think uh, it is perhaps uh, even more dangerous because uh, as the Hungarian dictator said about when he was asked, why is Hungarian communism so much softer and weaker than the Stalinist or Soviet version? He maybe uh, this is, you know, a legendary phrase, but uh, maybe it is just never spoken. But he said, allegedly, it is far easier to slowly bend the human spine over time than to try and snap it suddenly because that's when humanity resists. We're talking to Will Witt. He is the author of How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, Taking on Liberal Arguments with Logic and Humor. Follow him at the Will Witt on Twitter and support him and his fabulous colleagues at Prager University. That's PragerU.com. Okay, let's dive straight in to the matter at hand. Um, we have to, well, let me challenge you. So I have a certain brand, I guess. I don't know if I'm a celebrity yet. We'll, we'll let the audience decide. I think you're a celebrity. Well, I, I, I resent that remark. Um, but, Will, you, 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 you have this title of the book, and it's about winning friends and influencing enemies with liberal arguments, logic, and humor. Let me ask you this. Does logic matter? I mean, seriously, to go back to what I asked previously, if you can believe that a man, uh, somebody with a penis is a woman, 
then how do you apply logic? Is it just a drip, drip, drip over time? Talk to us about what you have found over the years to be the most efficacious deprogramming tools. Yeah, let's say this off the bat and say that, you know, if I'm batting 500, I'm doing a good job on on a good day. You know, it's very difficult. Not everyone can be woken up to these things immediately. Like you're going out there and let's say you use the tools in my book. You're not going to be changing every single person's mind who you talk to. Let's just be, you know, honest about the situation. But the tools that I have in my book that I think are the most the 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 most important are that when you're asking people questions, it is not you necessarily changing their mind. It is them changing their own mind because they can't answer yes. the questions that you gave them. So the facts that you insert into your questions, they have to respond to that instead of you just telling them what to think. And so the reason this, this is kind of the logic of the, the conversations that you're going to be having that I outline in the book is like you're using these questions logically with the right facts. And so then they are waking up to the fact that they can't answer your question instead of just thinking, oh, this is another political argument on Facebook. They are actually having to think about these things. And that's how you change minds. So basically, you're, you're advocating for a Socratic method where you don't provide the answers, but you try and bring the audience to a place where they ask the questions of themselves and hopefully arrive at, at the right answer. That's what it sounds like, Will. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so you know the answers already in your head. You yeah. know what's true. You know what you want to get across. And so you're using questions as a means to guide people to that right answer. Without telling them what the answer is, they come to it on their own volition. Okay, let's let's start with um, the first chapter of the book, Why Conservatives Lose. Everybody needs to read the book, but let's just start there. What, what is our, our, our inherent weakness? Why do we hobble ourselves? Give us some answers as to why conservatives fail again and again and again to influence those who have been indoctrinated well. Yeah, well, conservatives are totally on the reactive. Conservatives say, oh, the, the left is taught. Well, let's look at the left first. The left will say, we have a vision for America. And they'll say, in five years, we want to disband the police. In 10 years, we want to end fossil fuels. In, in, in 20 years, we want every bathroom to be multigender. Whatever it is, they have a clear-cut goal, and everybody knows what their goal is. What does the right do? What do conservatives say? We say, in five years, we don't want to defund the police. In five years, we don't want to end fossil fuels. Everything that we do as conservatives is reactionary. Instead of putting out plans and saying, here's our offense, why don't we actually take control and outline what we want to do? We do the exact opposite and only respond to the left. I think this is part of the reason why Trump was so popular, because he had new ideas that we hadn't really heard before, or at least heard in the forefront of you know conservative thought being so aggressive. People are attracted to that. But for years and years, and still many of the top political conservative people are very weak and are only trying to do things to react to what the left already says. So instead of saying what we don't want to actually give a, a positive vision of what we're trying to achieve. That's the first mistake. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like Trump coming on and saying, you know, we need to build a wall. We need to have a border wall like that. Like that is something that they had talked about it before and, and talking about a fence on the border and things. But it was never a huge topic of discussion. And then Trump came around. And it was a huge deal. And it was like he was very adamant about it. And he was like the one conservative guy at the time who was so strong and saying, this is what we got to do about it and giving a clear cut solution. And so people were like, wow, that's a 
that's a great answer to this problem, right? And that's, I think, one of the main reasons why people love Trump, because Trump was just like he was in New York all those years. He was a problem solver. And so he would actually give people solutions to problems instead of just saying, well, here's what these other people in New York are doing, and this is why they're wrong. He would say, no, I'm going to take care of it and just do it. Give us some good news. We, we can uh, talk about the negative uh, aspects of the culture till the cows come home. But tell us what you've witnessed in your, wor- your years working for Pragram prior to that. I see some amazing things happening with uh, the, uh, the younger generations when it comes to the culture of the life and stopping uh, the abortion agenda. Tell us what you're seeing from the, the culture war battleground, Will. I will say, as a whole, I see negative when it comes to American society. But as a as at looking at individuals, I've never been more excited because you can go back and look at 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 amazing people throughout history and you will realize that the most amazing people throughout history who have who have songs about them or are in the history books had the most amount of struggles and adversity. So I'm actually very excited in a sense, you know, kind of strange that America and the West is declining because it gives people the greatest opportunity to be heroes and be courageous and be passionate and creative, like all of these different things. And so we're seeing with like within our student program Prager Force, we have a Prager Force student in Venezuela who we talk to. We have a Prager Force student in South Africa who talked to us about what's going on there. I mean, Prager Force students all around the world in some of the worst places in the world who are coming out and sharing their stories and influencing people in those horrible communities. And so I love that. And we're, and that's the same thing in America. Tons of Prager Force kids in, in California who are coming together forming coalitions of people and actually changing things in their states or showing up to school board meetings or running for student council or whatever it might be. So there is a lot of hope for the individual, even if as a whole, the society looks a little bit bleak. How does COVID factor into all of that for the last year and a half? On the on one side, it looks incredibly depressing that we basically said, yes, you can shut us down, Fauci, and who cares about 44 million jobs? On the flip side, as you mentioned, there is this uh, burgeoning resistance in the school board. So how does what you're doing been affected by COVID and what has it illustrated to you? I think it has illustrated how people are so quick to give up their freedoms for a little bit of safety. Just like we talked about with the Brave New World stuff. I mean, it is it is people willing to to not have any risks in their lives and to just have the most comfortable life possible and have their freedoms taken away for it. And so I think that's been the biggest wake-up call. And my I'll, I'll be honest, my political, I guess, ideas, my ideology about how the world works completely shifted during COVID. You know, the amount of... of, of of times that it just was like, wow, how can people actually be believing this? And how can people actually be going along with it is wild, but they're so comfortable. Like, look at this last recall election that we just had in California. You know, we had, we, we only had about half of the people come out and vote who uh, came out and voted in 2020. And it's like, they are so comfortable in not doing anything. And the comfortability is ruining this country. Yeah, it truly is. Um, please, as a favor to me, if you enjoyed this show, support another truth teller par excellence. They are trying to destroy him. He's Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor. They want to strip him of his law licenses, bankrupt the man, and finally get him in the dock if possible. He's still investigating the election last year. Support him, Rudy Giuliani, freedomfund.com. Make a donation. Support an amazing patriot and truth teller. That's Rudy Giuliani, freedomfund.com. You mentioned Eric. Yes, um, Eric. Eric's behind me. Pay attention. You mentioned well the phrase "cancel culture." 
are we facing an uphill battle? Are you seeing, you know, we, we have these conservative alternatives. First we had Gab, then we had Parler, that was shut down. Now we have Rumble and Getter. Do we run a danger, Will, of enclosing ourselves in self-made social media ghettos that increasingly become more and more irrelevant, whilst the information juggernauts of Alphabet, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram just increasingly remove conservatives. What, what are you seeing? What is your diagnosis for how conservatives should relate to social media? You know, it's hard to say. During the pandemic, big tech and big media made a trillion dollars, a trillion dollars during that time. And so, of course, that was uh, because of the lockdowns. And so, of course, on social media, they want to shut down any sort of disagreement with the lockdowns and they censor people. So I understand why conservatives want to get onto places where they can freely express their values. I totally get that. But when you do that, you are setting yourself up into an echo chamber where you're not getting any other ideas. I mean, this is why PragerU could have just as easily, YouTube started restricting our videos. We could have just as easily only posted on our website and then only posted on Rumble or Getter or whatever it might be. But then we're missing out on the people whose minds we're trying to change. If it wasn't for PragerU on YouTube, I might still be a liberal in college right now. You know what I mean? So it was because PragerU was on that on that platform that we were able to reach so many people. And that's why PragerU is suing YouTube, not not just cowering away and going to a different place. They are suing YouTube because they know that this is where we are influencing the most amount of people. So I think conservatives need to stay on all of these biggest social media sites and say, hey, even if they're going to try to censor us, we're going to get as many followers and as many people possible to try and influence in as many avenues as we can. Give us an example. You're talking about influencing people who've been indoctrinated. Give us an example of, of, of a topic that more than once you've managed to convince somebody of your veracity who otherwise had been told something else. What, what, what area have you found that the greatest success in? Is it, is it pro-life? Is it freedom of speech? What, is there something you can identify? Yeah, those are all good topics. And all the top, my book has 17 different chapters, and every chapter is a different political or cultural topic that I've made videos on and changed minds on. I would say the freedom of speech one is really good. The freedom of speech one is one that basically every single person I've talked to will have their mind changed on it. I went to UC Berkeley to talk to students about free speech, which was which is ironic because, you know, that's kind of the birthplace <laughs> of free speech. And then now they're, they're trying to destroy it there. And I was talking to students and they would say, yeah, if you say something offensive, then you shouldn't be allowed to say it. And then you go and ask them and you say, well, who decides what's offensive or not? Right. And then they kind of, you know, don't really know how to answer. And they say and it's like, well, what if someone comes and says the normal things that you say or your political views is offensive to them? Should you not be allowed to say it? And so they kind of get on the back foot there and don't really know what to say. And so asking these questions about free speech, about who defines what hate speech is and should you be allowed to say it? What if you're on the wrong side of it is really a good way to wake people up on that, because, I mean, it's a huge issue. It's a big issue if we can't speak our mind and we really got to wake people up on that. And your reaction to this report yesterday from the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, good acronym. They did a survey, uh, the 2021 College Free Speech Rankings, 37,000 students polled. And just the headline for this story from Blaze, 23% of college students will support violence to stop a speaker they disagree with. And I can guarantee you all of those people are on the left. I, I wrote in my book about uh, how many 
conservative events have been stopped by leftists, and then also how many leftist events have been stopped by conservatives. You will be hard-pressed to find leftist events where conservatives have come in and totally destroyed or trashed the event. I did an event in Colorado a couple of months ago. I was giving a speech there, and it was about 250 people, and 50 Black Lives Matter protesters came in and totally destroyed the event. They're banging on tables, flipping tables. They're threatening the people who were there, and the administration at the school, this is a kicker, they let them in, and then the police administration at the school came and kicked me off campus. They kicked me off campus because I decided that I wasn't going to wear a mask while I spoke and the other people had no consequences. So when you see that that your violence and, and stopping of other speech is actually successful, then I, I understand why people would feel like, yeah. yes, I, I agree with this and we should do it, if, especially if they think we're evil. So, I, yeah, this is one of the biggest battles to fight for sure. And it tells you who the real fascists are. He's mentioned his book twice. Let me give you the title. It's How to Win <laughs> Friends. He's smooth. How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, uh, Taking on Liberal Arguments with Logic and Humor. Released two days ago. Get yours now. You don't want to miss it. Also, we're talking about cancel culture. One man who is in the crosshairs of the fascists right now is, of course, our good friend Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, the pillow that never gets hot, never loses shape because he speaks the truth, because he talks about God, the Bible, the need for Americans to pray. They want to take him out. Support this man. Send a message to the fascistic cancel culture leftists. Go to MyPillow.com. Use my name and Michael give you up to 66% off his line of more than 100 amazing products. You can call them on 800-829-8468. That's 800-829-8468, mypillow.com, promo code G-O-R-K-A. Support Mike today. Use my name, and he will give you a massive, massive discount. Okay, so um, I'm disappointed in you, Will Whit. You are a guest now on One on One. But before you came on the show... You dared to shave off that very manly mustache that you've been wearing of late. I don't know. I knew this was coming. I don't know who convinced you to do that. Fire that person. Well, you don't have no, to. No, that's, that's when cancel culture is fine. When someone tells me to, to shave the mustache <laughs> and I listen, then it's fine to cancel me. Okay. And that other person. I so. ask you seriously because you have a, a lovely dedication in your book. And, and to me... You, you had, like, the manliest... Mo- I mean, it took me back to Magnum P.I. I mean, that was like Thomas Magnum's mustache. I'm serious, guys. Check it out. And then you, you have a dedication to your book to my grandpa, Chocolate, interesting name, who taught me <laughs> what it means to be a man and helped me become a leader. That, for me, is the massive missing piece of the culture war for us. And I, and I look at our side, and I look at the young male population who may not identify as conservative, but they're definitely not snowflake liberals. And I don't see a role model for them. I, I don't see somebody discussing, you know, there's, you know, SEALs, you know, former SEALs with their podcasts, you know, Meatheads United, you know, talking about how many push-ups they can do but a deeper discussion of what it means to be a man in Western Judeo-Christian culture. We don't rehearse any of this. You don't know what questions I'm going to ask you. What do you think of this? What do you think of my observation that perhaps one of the biggest things missing is a celebration and a discussion of the role of men and what manhood means? 
I, I think you couldn't be any more right. You know, I, I dedicated my book to my grandpa chocolate. And by the way, chocolate was a nickname that we called him. And then my grandma was Cookie. So it was Cookie and Chocolate. It was, it was very it was cute. Milk. And we even oh, named, no, it was milk. We even named their dog Chip. So it was Chocolate <laughs> Chip Cookie. So anyway, there's a little backstory on that so you guys understand. But yeah, I mean, I, I grew up without my dad in the picture. I mean, as, as I talk about in the first chapter of my book, my dad was in prison for most of my life. And so my grandpa was really like my father figure, my role model growing up. And I can't tell you how important that was for me to have him in my life and to have a role model because there were times when he wouldn't be around and I would turn to other role models in my life who were men who weren't that good of role models for me, people who were on the mainstream media, people who were rappers or celebrities or, or people on the left. And those were the role models I turned to because I didn't have those traditional male role models that you were supposed to have. And so, yeah, I, basically what you asked me earlier in the show about, you know, kind of what I've been trying to do. And really, my I've been trying to be a role model for young men to know that, you know, there are good values out there that you can be as a man and that you should be spreading these values, the values of bravery and courage and, and competition and, and being a leader and not being cruel, like these types of values that masculinity is. I've been trying to be a role model for other people so that they can understand that. And I really do think that's one of the biggest battles because if young men aren't growing up thinking that they can be strong and brave and, and fight evil, then they are going to be subject to whatever evil is ruling. Isn't this perhaps the most dangerous part of, of this clearly um, extant culture war, the, the transgender agenda, which isn't about equity? You know, the transgender, you know, the homosexual population is between one and two percent of, of, of the general population. The transgender population is a fraction of a percent. So the idea that there's some mass abuse against the transgender population, and this is a big, big issue or big constituency is just fallacious. It's a lie. But the, this ideological ramming of transgenderism, whether it's you know, school bathrooms, whether it's the U.S. military, whether it's high school athletics, isn't the real agenda here nothing to do with equity or equality, but simply to dismantle, to deconstruct and to eventually destroy any classic understandings of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman, Will? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And it's sad because they have to use people who identify themselves as transgender and they're using them for their sick purpose of destroying Western family masculine and feminine values. They want to destroy those things because they know that when people want, are when men aren't being men, when women aren't being women and you take the family out of the equation, where do people turn to? They turn to leftism and they turn to the state to essentially handle all of their problems for them. And so you get this huge cycle of people continually being on welfare. I mean, we're seeing this very prevalently in the black community in America, being on welfare, not being able to have a ton of economic mobility. And this is because they destroy what it means to be a man, destroy what a family means, and destroy what it means to be a woman. And so this is all part of their big plan to destroy all those. I mean, Black Lives Matter even had it on their website, destroy the Western nuclear family. It was on there, you know, before they took it off. But so the, their, their intentions are, are not hidden. We know exactly what they want to do. Yeah, we do. Um, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, how does this fit into the book? How does it fit into your mission today? Uh, do we need to have something on our side? You mentioned the GOP. Is the GOP even awake to what you're doing? Can we rely on institutional conservatives or do we have to build something from scratch? Listen, in 2016, we had the House, we had the president, uh, we had full Congress. And 
don't even think about getting abortion outlawed. We couldn't even get Planned Parenthood defunded with Republicans all in Congress and a conservative president. So what are we doing? Are we really relying on our leaders to get these kinds of things done? Some Republican Republicans will come out and say, oh, yeah, we uh, we support free speech. We're all about the First Amendment. And then they're taking money from Google, one of the biggest perpetrators of censorship in the world ever. And they're taking money from Google. And so it's like these people who we've elected to be our representatives aren't representing us. So I think until we really start getting some true, like America first populist type of candidates into office as on the GOP ticket, we are going to continue to be stuck with the same rhinos and people who don't support our values and are only in it for power. In my opinion, those people are just as bad as the left. And maybe even worse, because at least the people who are the Democrats who want to destroy this country will tell you that and they'll tell you what they actually believe about it. But the conservative ones, conservative, quote unquote, will tell you they want to support you and then they lie about it and go behind your back and do something completely different. Well, they are worse because they say they're on our side and they're not. That's why they're worse. The left is the left. We can deal with them. But when you're on our side sabotaging us, that is a different level of, level of danger. We're talking manliness here. We're talking traditional values. What better way to celebrate it? There's only 100 left. The 300 custom car auto ordinance 1911 celebrating America first, my service in the White House and President Trump. 200 already disappeared. Your chance to get one of these beautiful burnt bronze engraved firearms. America first on one side. The Second Amendment is a a civil right on the other. And then the custom aluminum grips with President Trump and me on them. It's only 100 left, guys. I can't believe it. 200 disappeared in just two days. Go to galleryofguns.com and put Gorka in the search box. That's galleryofguns.com to secure your custom 1911 celebrating America first. Put Gorka in the search box and order yours today. We are back with Will Witt, Prager University. Please support them. Dennis has created a phenomena. It truly is on the cutting edge of taking back our republic and securing our freedoms PragerU.com. one of the stars the media personalities of that empire is will wit follow him on twitter at the will wit and find out what you need to know to win this culture war in his new book how to win friends and influence enemies taking on liberal arguments with logic and humor i've got mine it's in my hands right now let me ask you uh, will last couple of questions what advice do you give? You must meet people every single day who aren't personalities, don't have a national radio show, don't have a Twitter account, and they're just afraid. They just, they don't want to, they have good values, but they think that mentioning good values will cause something to happen to them cover from. Explain to our millions of listeners and viewers why you took the decision you took and why at the end of the day it was worth it. It's funny because when I was in college and I was scared to come out as a conservative eventually and say what I really believed in, you know, you're worried about what all these people are going to think about you. You're worried about what the people on the left are going to do or what your friends or family and all these people are going to think about you. But during that time when I was a leftist, I mean, I was unhappy. I was depressed. I felt bad about my life. I mean, all these different things. And when I became a conservative and started speaking out, I mean, my life has gotten exponentially, infinitely better. And then even better, about nine months ago, uh, about nine 
nine months actually to the day, I got baptized, which another, I mean, most amazing decision of my life, right? And it's like once you start living the truth of your life, you are a much better educated and 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 glorious, even for lack of a better word, person, because you are not sacrificing a part of yourself by lying to the world and lying to yourself. You are putting it out there. And one thing to note that's really important is that people who are worried about what the left are going to do to them now should be far more worried about what's going to happen in the future from the left if they don't do anything now. The left will continue to steamroll us. They don't care. They're going to continue to destroy this country. And it's up to people like you who are listening or anyone who reads a book or listens to PragerU or the show that that you are there standing up and being a brave patriot and a freedom lover and saying enough is enough. I am going to stand up because I believe in this. And even if we lose, even if we lose, you should be able to say 10 years from now and say, hey, we might have lost, but at least I stood my ground and said what I believe. Now, this is really important. So people need to understand this. If you have the temptation to censor yourself or not to speak truth then you're deluding yourself because at the end of the day, they're not going to give you a break uh, unless you submit to them. It's like negotiating with a dictator, negotiating with Nazis, communists, the jihadis. At the end of the day, there is no negotiation with people who hate what you represent. I say here on this show, there is a massive difference. There is a, a, a liminal difference between the left and the right today. The right exists on love. Fuel, the, the, the fuel they function on is love. Love of country, love of America, love of the founding values. And the left is really, it's, it's founded on self-hatred. It's not just hatred of America. It's hatred of themselves. That's why they're so vituperative. That's where cancel culture comes from. So uh, at the end of the day, they're just not happy. Choose joy choose the positive and that my friends is on the conservative side okay you mentioned there's no chapter in your book on faith on the importance of god but you mentioned your personal baptism last question what is the significance you've had a tough life the story of your dad in prison um why why is faith the recognition of our creator so essential to the project of you, Dennis, PragerU, and those that love America? Because it's, it's biblical truth. You know, I wasn't, a, I, wasn't a, I wasn't going to come out and say that I was a Christian until I really believed it, you know? So uh, for years working at PragerU still, I would kind of say, you know, I'm, I'm dabbling in it, but I don't really know. I didn't want to lie. And so I eventually just kind of sat down and I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to figure this out. And so I read the four Gospels and you realize and you read it and it's beautiful. And you say, all right, if Jesus really did die for our sins, Jesus really did this and the things in the Bible are true, then I don't have a choice but to give my life for him and to live out these values, right? And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And so that's why I chose to get baptized. And I think that goes into more than just, you know, the faith and everything. But it, it, it's like I was just talking about with the truth that like once you know the truth, once you have that inside of you, it is a it is a fire lit inside of you that says you have to get this out there. You have to live it. You have to speak it once you know 100 percent truth. And so the faith for me, knowing the truth about the world and things going on, gives me the fire and the passion to go and and speak on all these different things, because I know for a fact it is true and what I believe and, and all of that. 
And also, I mean, just looking at the Ten Commandments, something that Dennis says all the time, that if even atheist people can agree, if everyone in the world followed the Ten Commandments, the world would be a much better place. You know, and that's that's regardless of you being an atheist or whatever else. Yeah. And so I think that the values within it are the best values in the world, and I think it gives people a clear path to what truth really is. You know, people think truth is subjective and, you know, it's my truth, your truth, whatever. That's that's all BS. It is the one truth, and I think that faith really wakes us up to all that. In the last chapter of the book, I talk a lot more about faith. It's not dedicated to it, but it's it's in there as well. Yeah, the Ten Commandments, the video of which on Breaker You was censored by by YouTube. Yes, you're absolutely right. Great endorsements from Dennis himself, Candice Owens, and James O'Keefe. Just to end on this note. Um, I think it was C.S. Lewis, I think it was the great C.S. Lewis, who said, every human being has a very simple choice to make. And the question is, who was Jesus? We know Jesus existed. He's a historical person. And he said he is the son of God. Uh, There's only two possible explanations for that. Number one, he was insane. Or number two, he is the son of God. There's no, he was a nice guy, okay? What the left tells you, he was just a nice guy, you know, running some kind of ashram in the Middle East. No, he said he's God. So make a choice. If you think he's not crazy, there's only one option left. He's your savior, and he is the son of God. An amazing book. Check it out right now, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies. Taking on liberal arguments with logic and humor by our special guest here on America First One on One, Will Witt. Follow him at the Will Witt on Twitter and support the amazing organization created, full disclosure, by my Salem colleague. I, I'm, I'm a Catholic. It's okay. I still call him my rabbi. This has been <laughs> One on One. I'm Sebastian Gorka, former strategist to President Trump. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, my dear friends, make sure you've subscribed to One on One. Tell your friends, share this video, and wherever you are, Whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And as ever, stay frosty. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 